Hi, this is Alex. And this is Ellen. And you're listening to our podcast, Uniquely Portable Magic, where we talk about everything books. This week, we are talking about uh, The Queen of Raiders by Sarah Kozloff. It is the second book in the Nine Realms series. Um, and it continues the story from A Queen in Hiding. It follows uh, Cerulea as she uh, continues on her journey um, and uh, learns some stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff happens in this book. Um, and then it follows Thalen and his group of uh, raiders. Um, and... Yeah, it's just about, it's a lot of stuff happens in this book. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, we will be talking about it in depth. Uh, so if you care about spoilers, pause, go read it, come back, join us. If you don't care about spoilers, stay. We'd love to have you. So, Alex, in this book where lots of things happen. <laughs> <laughs> that um, should just be our description. Right? <laughs> book two of the Nine Realms series. <laughs> Lots of things happen. Lots of things happen. Um, But with everything going on in this book, were you able to pick a favorite character? I did, and this was very easy for me. Okay. Uh, Unlike last time where I feel like I wavered a little bit in Mm -hmm. the first book as to who my favorite was, this time it was just a very blatantly obvious. I really enjoyed Cerulea or... You know, Ren, Finch, Skylark. Yeah, uh, Kestrel. You know, whatever whatever name she is going by Yeah. Um, at that point in time. And you just see so much more growth. Yeah. Granted, in the first book, like, she goes from being a child to an adult, a young adult. So you do, there's obviously huge amounts of growth just because of the age, mm-hmm. you know, difference but I feel like in this book especially because of the different types of people that she's introduced to and just the way that you see that she's paying attention to you know different ways of living and Mm -hmm. the different way that people lead or you know things like that that she's picking up all of these different important things that are going to help her if she eventually like takes over the throne right Uh, so I just really liked that yeah absolutely she's my favorite character awesome so since you since you said that I will change my answer because I had two answers one of them (laughs) one of them being Cerulea Kestrel Finch Skylark whatever you want to call her in this book um, for all of the reasons that you said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I will just, everybody can know that she was also my favorite, but then I'll just say for the sake of diversity, um, <laughs> <laughs> that Thalen was my favorite character for this book. Um, uh, I thought it was for also, interestingly enough, for a lot of the same reasons that Cerulea was my favorite throughout this book, um, like, it was very interesting to watch him grow into his leadership position and all of the uh, care he took in being a leader and being a good leader and um, watching him 
grow and change and adjust to his leadership role, uh, I thought was fascinating. Um, and the fact that he didn't lose that goodness throughout his, um, uh, throughout this storyline, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he definitely changed things, but it didn't, um, it didn't, um, at his core, he stayed the same person. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll say Thalen, but everybody knows it was really Thalen and Cerulea that were my favorites. <laughs> Some some diversity here in the storyline. Switch our favorite characters from last book. Yeah, absolutely. So, did you have um, a favorite part? So for me, it seems like my trend for favorite part has been like a grouping of. Hey, that works. I think it (laughs) works. And I just really, I mean, I enjoyed this aspect of the first book, but I think in this second book, you really get to see Cerulea's relationship with animals Mm -hmm. so much more and a diverse group of animals. Yeah. And I just love how she interacts with them and how, like, the way that they speak back to her. Yeah. Is so cute and so funny, and you, it to me, it just makes sense. Like the differences that you can see and how different animals talk, you're like, oh my god, yes, that's totally what a dog would say. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. A parrot would totally say that. Yeah, you know, or just like the way that they speak. Or an, I just an ego would totally sound like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. just thought it was so on point, but also hilarious because it's they, you know, they say like one does this or <laughs> that, you know, one yeah. thy, yeah, very like formal. And I mean, maybe it was grammatically correct back in the day, but it doesn't seem like it would be grammatically correct. And right, it, you know, also just very humorous um, throughout those interactions too. So yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect of this book same uh, because like I said the last time who hasn't ever thought about being able to talk to animals like <laughs> yeah that would be it's sort awesome. of it's sort of the like, if I had to choose like a superpower or magic I don't know that it would be the one that I would choose but I definitely wouldn't turn it down yeah like I'd be okay with it for sure <laughs> I'm not gonna lie reading this book and the first one too, but more this book kind of because you see more of it in this one. Reading it with my two dogs with me for most of the time, there were certainly parts that I would like pause and I would just like think at them and I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like just in case, you never know. Um, <clears throat> and did they respond to you? <laughs> uh, not until I like poked them and like petted them and talk to them out loud. Um, but we're working on it. <laughs> we'll let you know if anything. <laughs> If anything changes. It's a new aspect to their training. Yeah. Um, some very hardcore staring that um, they both pretty much just ignored because they know that I'm a weirdo and they've learned to ignore me. Um, so my favorite part is also sort of a collection of parts. Um, but most specifically, it was two parts. 
And it's really funny that they were because they were also the most like um, emotionally har- harrowing parts for me or two of some of the most emotionally harrowing parts for me. Um, but I loved um, the ambush scene right at the end. Like I just loved oh. it was so cinematic. Like I could see it unfolding in my brain. Like it was just so well written. And then um, the scene where the birds are helping them rain fire on the city. And like, again, it was just so cinematic. I could see it all happening. It was so well written. I felt like I was right in the middle of all the action. Um, Mm -hmm. And so despite all the emotional turmoil that those scenes (laughs) also brought to me, it was really fun to, um, it was really fun to read and to be a part of. And it, it really, um, brought me into the the scenes so Mm -hmm. those were probably my favorite parts um yeah I definitely enjoyed and really kind of any of the fight scenes I think is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think the author did a great job in terms of describing them and you I mean there were definitely fight scenes in the first book you know with Queen Cressa and Lord and Bryce, there were way more fight scenes and they were all on land too in this second book. So I feel like the, the way that they just, they meaning Sarah Koskoff <laughs> described yeah. all the fight scenes in this second book, like one, there was just way more action in general, but two, I think there's a lot more diversity in what can be done on land. Oh, versus, for sure. You know, all of the the scenes um on the ocean yeah and also not a lot of those you know a lot of the fighting you just kind of learned about right it wasn't you know described to the same extent yeah so. absolutely i found um that sort of the fighting that we see in the first book um you see it a little bit in this one um it felt a lot more like reporting um about the fight as opposed to being in the fight um, and you saw it a lot, or I saw it a lot. I guess I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't speak for everybody. Um, but I saw it a lot, when, especially when, uh, Skylark was like first part of the group and like, they'd go off and fight a skirmish and then she would just, you'd see sort of her, her, um, reaction to their fight. And she'd be like, mm-hmm. less people came back or fewer horses came back. And then you wouldn't know anything until you jumped into, like Thalen's point of view or um and then you got more information about who died who you know um mm-hmm. I f- so I felt like that was really a cool um device that that she used I was gonna say trick but it's not really a trick so I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> um <laughs> so do you have any favorite quotes I do I have two favorite quotes so my first favorite quote is basically about how badass Nana is. I love her now, so much. I mean, she was always great, but especially now that she's become the agent agent to Nargis, I just feel like she has become even more of a superwoman. Yeah. Um, and I also liked this quote because of just how 
the way that water is used again, you know, how last time I really liked how they use different like swear words and yeah. sayings with water. And so this quote kind of, again, takes very, a very metaphorical approach to including water in her thoughts. Which okay. Was cool. So, um, this is basically when she is talking with, brother Whitsbury, I think, and they're trying to make some plans for what to do about the fact that Matt Wicks just, you know, crazy, making some really terrible decisions and controlling the country and yeah, everything (laughs) is falling apart. Um, so this is the quote, Nana replied, not much we can do right now, but we'd be building a network and taking names because when the queen returns justice will fall like like a mighty cascade and the flood will scour the streets of those who sold their souls i love that bam yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like taking names yeah so badass um i loved that and it's coming from this like old woman right called nana yeah so oh it's the best i love it Oh my gosh. Okay, you said you had two? I do. Okay, what's your next one? my second quote is from Thalen when he and Skylark are talking about revenge and how she is there because she really wants revenge and it's really fueling her in this fight against the Oros. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Phelan, in all of his wisdom, and also just the fact that he's had more experience in this fight so far, so he's, you know, been exposed to death and having to lead people to their death and everything that he, you know, initially felt similar feelings of revenge, and now that he's had more experience, he's, you know become a little bit wiser yeah and so this is the quote from Phelan it does not even slake my fury which bursts forth with renewed force whenever I lose someone let me tell you something Skylark though everyone has to discover this for herself vengeance may seem like a noble prize but you grab for it you grab for it you grab for it and it turns into a dagger blade that merely cuts your own hands. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, that was such a great way to describe how vengeance can seem like a, you know, great reason to do something, but it, in the end, it usually bites you in the butt. Yeah. And it often ends up making everything worse. Yeah. And then, so that was... You know, the way that that was described, I thought was really great. But then also the fact that Thalen recognizes that even though he's telling her something, mm-hmm. just because you're telling someone something doesn't mean that they're actually going to, like, fully process that until they experience it themselves. Absolutely. Which is something that I've come across a lot this year. Um, like for myself personally, you know, being told things or even telling myself like, oh, you know, 
if I just do this, I can make some changes, you know, personally yeah. or that kind of thing. But just because you're told it or even tell yourself something, that doesn't mean that you can actually really believe it and digest the concept and act upon it yeah. until, you know, you had to experience it for yourself. Absolutely. Right? And then you can really actually do something yeah. about, you know, whatever it is. Absolutely. So yeah. No. I just like really connected with that. Cause I was like, wow, I've had that problem too a lot this year. With all your vengeance so. that you're trying to seek on people. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've had a lot of vengeance issues yeah. personally. <laughs> I mean, that's what I always say to people. You know, they're like, how's Alex? And I'm like, seeking vengeance again. Um, <laughs> Constant. Yeah. Uh, it's all she talks about. Um, no, it's actually really funny that you say that because I, um, that was a, a quote that really spoke to me too. And I was like... <laughs> I remember thinking as I was reading, oh, I should mark that down as one of my favorite quotes. And then I said, I don't have time. I have to keep reading. <laughs> yeah, that I totally understand that because I didn't have that problem in the first book. But in this book, I realized that I have way fewer notes because I just had to keep reading. Yeah. There was way more action. So, that, you know, then you had to know what was happening next, whereas you know, the whole concept of characters being safe so you can leave the book alone for a certain period of time. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, intimately uh, familiar with you're, that you're feeling. Familiar with <laughs> that concept. Um, I felt like we had that much more throughout the first book and in the oh, second yeah. book. You really just had to, had to keep reading yes. and reading and reading. Yes. So it's really funny. So I have three favorite quotes, but they're all from like the first 100 pages. Because after, because oh, okay. after that, I was then, then after that you just like couldn't I, stop. Which is funny because I have quite a few notes that I took the time to write out after that, but apparently quotes were too much. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> that was just asking way too much. Of um, you. <laughs> and I think part of it is because I um, I take my notes on my phone while I'm reading, and so with notes, um, I can just talk to text. And so I can kind of keep reading as I'm like processing my note versus quotes. I want to make sure that I'm writing them down properly. So I actually like sit and I type them out and I like double check that I'm, you know, and so they, not that they really take that much more time, but when you're in the middle of a very intense scene in a book, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm just going to take a little note here. <laughs> um, Use the talk to text feature on my phone. <laughs> Yeah. I notice that you do that a lot and and every time I notice that I'm like, huh, I should probably do that. That'd be really good for me to not have to like bend over my phone and type yeah. whenever I want to do something with like all of my like back and neck pain issues and then I don't do it. And then the <laughs> next time I see that you do it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I should really mm hmm that'd be a good idea for me. Wow, she's and so then smart. Oh, I love it. That's hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm all for it. It's actually funny because I, I did for a little while, I was doing it for the quotes part of it too. But you'll remember there was an episode where my talk to text failed me. And in the middle of reading my quote out to you all, I was like, um, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, 
I was like, these are not the words that are supposed to be here. Uh, I don't remember which episode that was, but, you know, you guys can go back and find it if you want to. Um, so I learned my lesson that I couldn't use talk to text for the quotes part of it at the very least. Um, okay, so my first quote um, is uh, uh, Nelsa Pada says it to Persia and Stalia after Willem's death. Um, and she just says, grief is the price we pay for love. And mm-hmm. it's very true. <laughs> um, but it just was a beautiful way to put it, right? It's, you know, it's a price we, it's the price we pay for love and we're willing to pay it, you know, even mm-hmm. though we know that that's how things are going to end. Um, the next one. So like in our last one, we talked about me trying to keep track of how many times I cried and the different types oh. and the different types of crying that I did. So I was successful in this. I was, um, I teared up, cried and sobbed a couple times during this book. Um, this one, while it was not the first time that tears fell from my eyes, this was my first like full crying moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so because the first part, um, no, right. We'll talk about that when we get to the notes part. Don't get ahead of yourself. So this was my first, like, full-on crying moment, and I'm going to try to get through it without... I Can I... I'll be perfectly honest. I read this aloud in my bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror a couple times, because I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll probably still get a little verklempt. Um, so this is... Um, it's what Stalia says about Willem at his funeral. Um, and she says, he was my harbor, my hearth, my home, my heart. And that's all she, (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) you, you doing okay over there? Yes, it's fine. Um, and it's just so beautiful. And, um, I thought it was, um, such a beautiful, like tribute to like every stage of of a marriage, you know, like it's, um, and to be honest, I liked that she wasn't like, he was my protector and my, you know, person who took care of me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, I mean, although she does say that, like, he was my home and my hearth, but like, it, that's a very different way than like, he took care of me and, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's all we're going to say about it. We're just going to move forward. <laughs> um, and so my last one um, is when Gardener is teaching um, Kestrel about herbs and plants and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this one little line. Um, he told her that even when little change is visible to watchers, roots grow underground. Um, and I thought that that again, was beautiful. And um, it speaks so wonderfully to sometimes change isn't the stuff that we see on the outside. Sometimes the change that we see is are the, the strides that we make within ourselves um, or within whatever we're striving to be changing. Um, and it doesn't mean that change isn't happening. It just means that it's maybe not as visible as some of the other stuff that you want. And it... Um, that's a lesson that I have certainly tried to learn myself many times. Um, so it was really, it was a nice little like, oh, hey. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like a good reminder. 
character to... Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like I said, pretty much after that, there were many times that I was like, oh, that was beautiful, but I couldn't I couldn't be bothered to write it down. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we I had more... We had more important things to do. Um, So let's dive in a little bit more in depth than we've already dived. Dove in? Dove. Dove. But that, no. See? I don't know. (laughs) We're so good at English. Um, (laughs) So my... Yes. <laughs> um, so you said you don't have a ton of notes? I don't, but I figured we should talk about my first note. Unless, does your first note involve Willem, or did you want to talk about something else first? Nope, that's my first one. Okay, yeah, literally, my note is just, no. <laughs> yes. My note take my note my, my note taking style has worn off on you. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Like, oh my gosh, why? I didn't see it coming. Why did it have to happen? Yeah. I just Yeah. Like it's... why I guess also too, like I didn't understand why realizing that she's the heir and that like he doesn't remember so that he was enchanted why that made him so troubled and troubled enough to take his own life so i like, think that's where i really struggled yeah was like why would he do this so i think he even says it at one point in one of his like rantings and he but he says something along the lines of um what do you do when you realize that your own memories aren't your own memories or whatever? Um, and I think, because I think the thing is, is yes, he's realized that she was the heir, but he's realized he can't tell anybody because it'll put them all in danger. And then I don't think he fully realizes, like he realizes that something's going on in his brain, but he doesn't, I don't think he realizes that he was enchanted by Queen Cressa. Like, I think he's like, Mm. I think he is like, why don't I remember this? Why does everybody else seem to have this memory when clearly she's not this person? And I think the fact that he can't tell, like, especially his wife, for someone who's so stand up and honest and um, dedicated, um, I think that's part of what took the toll on him. And then of course the additional grief of this child that he has raised for most of her life has now left and he knows what dangers she's going to face in the world. You know, like she's, you know, so I think it's um some added pain of like parental goodbye. You know, like I know, but none of those are anywhere near well, I mean, there's no never a reason to take your own life. Like, yeah, there are lots of reasons, but n- none of them, you know, are ever enough to justify. But of course, the thing is, like is that. that people don't have control over themselves when they've turned to that as their final option. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, they're not, um, it's not, it's not really a, it's not a decision of like, um, it's not a decision of like, I want to kill myself. It's, I want this pain to end. This needs that this pain needs to end. However, it's going to end, you know, and, um, and I guess I shouldn't say that's always the case because I, I certainly don't know that that's always the case. But I think more often than not, that's, you know, it's not it's not logical thinking like we th- think it is. You know, it's very mm-hmm. um, fractured thinking, I think. Um, but um, yeah, it just oh, my gosh, it was so sad. So that was my first um, that was the first instance of leaky eyes, which means I had tears coming out of my eyes, but it wasn't, like, full-on crying. It was just, like, a couple tears at a time. Uh, um, uh-huh. um, and I also had this thought of sort of worrying, um, because I I have this theory that all of these people that uh, Cerulea is coming into contact with, Persia, Stalia, um, the... Uh, refugees that she meets on the road, the people she met in Slagos, um, they're all going to, I have this feeling that they're all going to come into play later on in the series. Um, Because, like, what's the point of, you know, like, I feel like there's, it feels like there's something bigger at play than just, I mean, they've they've already played big parts in helping her grow and become the queen that she hopefully (laughs) will become, um, you know, but like, I think, um, I think there's more in store for all of these people. So my biggest concern after this happened, um, was will Persia blame Ren Cerulea for her father killing himself? Um, when they finally meet each other again. Um, because I'm just going to pretend that that's absolutely going to happen until <laughs> um, until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting theory. I definitely did not think about that. I was just like, oh, okay, we're meeting these new characters and they're helping Ren in her growth. And then okay bye <laughs> yeah I mean I I, I, I I mean I like your theory I would like that to happen I, th- I think for me it's the fact that even though she has left them we still have chapters returning to them mm-hmm. is what makes me think that in some facet they're going to play some sort of part um, in in the story further down the line but mm-hmm. certainly I could be wrong. <laughs> Just because I'm making this prediction means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, my next note was shortly after that. Um, okay. It was around the funeral scene because it's only a couple pages after. Um. Or right before the funeral scene. But it's, um, it, she talked about Persia and Lemley. And there's a little part where, um, Persia, like, leaned into Lemley or something like that. And I was like, 
Oh, are we getting a little pre-romance? And I was mm, like, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I literally wrote Persia and Lemley question mark. I can see it. Period. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um. Uh, but it just um. It was funny because I had that note, but then later, I had a very different note. Oh. Um, which we can jump to if we want to, but it's when yeah. Marco, um, Marco comes, and he's doing his traveling, and he goes to uh, Duke Navin, and then, um, is introduced to Stalia and and Persia, mm-hmm. and he's and he's this man, young man who has not really been interested in women um, or men. Like, it, it, it's it's just very clear that he's just not interested in any sort of romantic dalliance. And then he sees Persia, and he's immediately, he's like, oh, she's beautiful, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe not Persia and Lemley, but maybe Marco and Persia, okay. Like, <laughs> I was you like... You were fine with either. It wasn't problematic that there could be a possible different romantic option. You weren't, like, set on Lemley. No, because they're, because they're, like, little, it's, like, a tiny snippet. It's, like, she turned into his chest and cried. And I'm, like, I could also be reading far too much into it, you know? But, like, I was, like, I'm interested to see what happens with her. Um, what's going on? Um, so I'm interested to see what the end game there is. I'm keeping uh-huh. I'm keeping tabs. I have very little to go on for either of these pairings, so I'm equally ready for either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have no preference at this point in time. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Just little, little pre- not even predictions, but little like, I see you. If you turn into something, I want it known that I had an inkling. But of course, if it doesn't turn into anything, then it'll just be like, Ellen was reading too much into things. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, she does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I have a question for you. How, okay. what was your reaction when you found out that Tenny used a fake stone? That was literally my next note. Yeah. Was like, that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see that coming? No. Because I totally didn't see that coming. I I saw that she was faltering, like, in the sort of the end of the, the last book. Like, you could tell that she was, like, having second thoughts, I should say. But I had no inkling that that's how far, like, her guilt was taking her. Like, I had no yeah. idea that she was, like, that far removed from, oh, shit, what did we do? <laughs> right. Like, I, it made me see her in another light. Like, she was atoning for her sins in terms of capitulating to Matwick and the rest of the, the council. Yeah. But at the same time, I was also a little disappointed because then you know that it's not new magic. Well, that. at least as of right now, you know. Right, but like <laughs> I was excited for that the possibility, possibility of right. 
further magical abilities being for sure uh, discovered yeah and so the fact that it wasn't it was definitely disappointing but at the same time great to see the sacrifice of another character and see that you know she wasn't as bad as we thought right. she was and she was trying to redeem herself yeah which i always love to see that i mean who doesn't i mean who doesn't like a good redemption i mean that's the thing right is we like rooting for like i don't know i don't know many people who are like i want to see them get worse <laughs> like <laughs> you know like especially when you're reading a book like no one's sitting there and being like how can you get worse like you know right. so um so my next note jumps a little ways. Do you have any other notes around that sort of part of the no, book? I don't. So my next one was sort of the first part of me realizing that Thalen was probably going to be one of my favorite characters in the book. Um, and it starts on page, this little part, I should say, is on page 89 of the paperback version. Okay. Um, and he is... Um... um it's sort of a whole page of him sort of trying to figure out what kind of leader he's going to be. Um, he has this whole little part where he's like uh, thinking to himself, but how do these small gestures make up for my lack of experience? Why should these men and women trust me, a raw scholarium student, to make the best decisions in a pinch? And then he, but like right above that, he's like, it's like he made a point of listening to any advice and offering praises for jobs well done. And... Um, you know, like, just, it just, it's a whole page of him sort of weighing how he's going to be a, the kind of commander that people will want to follow. Um, and I just thought it was such a beautiful, um, I thought it was, I thought it was really beautiful because I feel like oftentimes, especially in like fantasy books, we see these main characters who just seem, at least they seem to naturally slip into these leadership roles. And I've always joked that like I would be the worst the chosen one. Like <laughs> like people would be like, "Okay, Ellen, what do we do next?" And I'd be like, "I I don't know." Like <laughs> like why are you <laughs> like, why are you Exactly. Like, I'd be like, I, I'm sorry, are you talking to a different Ellen? Like, I, who put me in charge? You know, is, is <laughs> like, um, you know, like, or oftentimes in these books, they're like, you're the chosen one. And then the person's like, okay, I'm ready. And I'd be like, I'm not ready. No. <laughs> Can there... I don't know why you think I'm ready to take on this responsibility right. either. Like, I, you should be questioning your own judgment yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I think you've got the wrong, the one. Is it possible that there's a, the two? Like, could they? <laughs> um. So I just thought it was a really wonderful choice on Sarah's part to, um, not just in this part, but many times, to show him adjusting to his role and learning how far he could push his his raiders versus you know when he had to be a little more lenient versus tough and I just thought it was um refreshing to sort of see someone not that he was like struggling with it but someone who um was having to sort of think through it instead of just being like yes 
I'm ready. I'm the leader. You know, like, um, yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed, um, I think also too, I really enjoyed that aspect of the book because a lot of it was him referring to things that he read yes, and has memorized, which is just such a different way of going about yeah. existing. Yeah. But it's not just him remembering things that he read because then he also has to figure out how to apply that knowledge yeah. in real life. Exactly. Um, which I really enjoyed watching him do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's just so endearing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I really like him as a character, yeah. obviously, because he was my favorite character in the first book. Yeah. So. You don't just hate him now? <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Got it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. It, yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was very refreshing. Um, I mean, I have another note, unless you have one that's around that time period. Let me see. My next note is for page 95 to 96, in case you also write down your page numbers. <laughs> um, no, my next note doesn't have anything to do with any specific time in the book. Okay. And then my next note is, like, way towards the end. Okay. So, obviously, I was very... Um, absorbed in the book and engrossed in it and couldn't spend a second to write a note. <laughs> I can, a see, talk to text, Alex. <laughs> talk to text. Um, so my next note, like I said, is on page 95 to 96 of the paperback version. Um, and it's just a small note. I just wrote, I love a woman learning to speak up for herself. Um, and it's, so it's Kestrel, she's in Slagos, and, um, she is spending more and more time with Zilly, um, the, the, uh, uh, the tavern owner. Tavern, yeah, I was like, it's not an inn, why, why do I keep saying innkeeper? Um, yeah, the tavern owner. And she, um, is just sort of watching Zilly navigate the sleazy comments for men, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, and she studied how Zilly handled the men who came into the blue parrot. How's my beauty today? She accepted as a friendly remark. When a man asked, why didn't you wear my bed last night? Zilly, Zilly retorted, your bed, tis full of fleas, which brought general laughter, um, at the expense of the customer who had crossed the line. And then it jumps into two men approaching Kestrel, um, Ren, Cerulea, whatever you want to call her. Um, and then they say, hey there, darling, you need some company. And started to pull out the stools beside her. And she spoke up loudly. <laughs> My own thoughts suit me more than your twaddle. Which made the men back away with their hands up while the room broke out in laughter. And I just, first of all, I loved that they were good natured about the rejection. Like, you know, they were like, okay, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, because certainly we know that that couldn't have not been the case, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I just love that she's watching a woman who's very self-assured and, and, and knows what lines she's okay with people crossing and what lines are Mm -hmm. not okay to be crossed. And she's learning to 
uh, about those things for herself, which of course I will come in, I'm assuming very invaluably later on in these books. Um, so, but also I'm, I'm here for women learning to stand up for themselves and, and, um, putting creepers in their place. <laughs> yeah, I also really love that it's a woman learning from another woman. Yeah. And recognizing where she has shortcomings and that someone else can do what you're looking to do yeah. already very well and not a lot of people can do that. A lot of people will feel threatened by someone else having you know, better abilities than them Absolutely. or something like that. And so one, it just speaks to the character of Kestrel, but two, it's just a very good example and reminder of one, women should always support women. Yeah. And well, in general, there are some <laughs> special cases where maybe you shouldn't support a woman who, you know, abuses her spouse or well, yes, certainly. You know, murders someone or you know those kinds wait of we're not supposed to support people oh shoot i have no i have no gotta go no news to you <laughs> shoot don't want to support murderers hmm. oh uh, i have a lot yeah. of checks to cancel <laughs> yeah but just in general seeing a really great female friendship and relationship yeah. between them. Um, I loved. And then also this reminded me the fact that she's the tavern owner that I really like that Sarah Kosloff so far in her books has not allowed the a similar hierarchy in you know, gender that we see in our society to pervade to the same extent into the world that she's created because you see a lot of, not a lot of women, but more women than you would expect in higher roles like ownership and leadership than a lot of other fantasy books that tend to base themselves on more like medieval right you know times that kind of thing or just based on our society which still is patriarchal sexist. yeah exactly yeah. it's actually really interesting because i totally agree but i love that she also um she has like different levels in each of these new societies that we're uh, coming across, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, in Weirendale, right, where it's been queens and their consorts for forever, like, you would think, oh, it's a very matriarchal society, but it's-, but it's not, exactly. So, like, even though that their highest position is held by a woman, she still has very limited power. You know, she's got the council. Like, clearly, she's got limited power because they were able to chase them out of the capital in the first book, you know? Oh. So, like... um uh, so I found that very fascinating. And then you see, like, the um, the Maley people. Um, oh. And, like, they're, they seem to be very, like, equal. You know, like, okay. women, are, women are fighting. Women are, uh, you know, looked to for answers. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Or, like, even the, 
like Alpatar people that she comes across, they seem to be a little more equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when she's in Slagos, like she even comments about how like freely Zilly like is with her like sexuality and like how mm-hmm. she takes lovers if she wants them, says goodbye to them when she's done with them, you know, like, and, and does what she wants to do. And no one seems to think less of her for it. Like, you know, like people still come to her tavern people, you know, quite regularly, you know, people still interact with her and, and, you know, there's no slut shaming or anything, you know, like, so it's, I, I totally agree. And I like that there was, um, quite a bit of variance in it too mm-hmm. or even in like the oro mondo people like uh when they're talking about the magi and they're like there's always four and four right like oh, all the mm-hmm. all the what was it all the odd ones are male and all the even ones are female or whatever mm-hmm. um like that was really you know because it because it seems like their society is very patriarchal right like all of their yes. higher ups in their armies are male and they only fight male but like it's a kind of another instance where there are women in power, but maybe not in as much power as it would seem like they have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we talk about the Magi for a hot second here? Because... <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> oh, actually, it wasn't at all. <laughs> I totally didn't even realize what we were saying. Oh, my God, I'm so punny. You are uh, so punny, Alex. I'm actually really bad at puns, so... <laughs> Um, well, that that one worked really well. I accidentally did that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one worked really well. Um, so, is it just me, or does it seem like eating volcanic ash to gain power seems like a bad idea? <laughs> like, they all seem to be, like, all the magi seem to be going crazy, slash have some, like, physical problems, maladies as well. And while it seems like they're blaming that on the plague, yeah, I personally feel like maybe eating volcanic ash could be doing that to them. <laughs> or it's a mixture of it, you know, like it's probably certainly not helpful. But I imagine that they've been eating this volcanic ash for as long as they've been having magi. So it's like, have the magi always been? a little bit off their rockers or yeah is it is it a is it a new thing so it's like a combination of the poisoned water and the eating the ash and and like i'm biased that like (laughs) in our world eating ash is going to be problematic right exactly maybe it's magical ash you know like yeah or just like that that doesn't have the same effect as it would if you were in our living in our world. Exactly. And yeah, I guess that's a bias that I have. Um, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a good idea, <laughs> but in reality, in their world, that's not... I mean, you could be totally right, Alex. It could be not a good idea. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I agree that it's probably not a great idea. <laughs> But we still have two books. Maybe maybe we'll find something out. Um, I do want to quickly hop back to Slagos for just a second. Okay. Um, because how brilliant was it that she thought to use the parrots as spies? Like, right. 
oh my god. Because they're everywhere, first of all. Second of all, they're parrots, so they do what parrots do, and they repeat. Like, so not even, so not only can she talk to them, and she can get the information that's, like, in their brain, but she can also actually actively hear, I mean, basically what these people are exactly saying, instead of having the animal trying to relay what they understood of what they were saying, you know? And it seems like, I don't know if this is correct, but what I gathered is that they can also imitate the voice and like accent. It's not just saying the words too. Yep. Which I thought was, I know she's so smart, helpful and really cool. That queen of ours. She's so smart. She's so smart. Um, yeah, I was thoroughly, uh, excited about that. I was just like, it's brilliant. You're so smart. Yeah. Well, um, so since we're still talking about Slagos, yeah, I did have a note, though technically it's from like later in the book, yeah. but I figure it's a good time to bring it up. Sure. Did you realize that Gardner was an agent of Verdia or Virtia until we, because we were told that like at the very end of the book and I totally did not realize that until we were told. Um, is that something that you picked up on? Like yes. the fact that he's called Be- Gardner? Because Alex... <clears throat> oh, you read the appendix, so you knew what the agents were called. Because this appendix was also at the end of the first book. And so when I read it, it says things like, Shaman, Spirit of Stone, Agent, Mason, Ghibli, Spirit of Wind, Agent, Hunter. And then down here, Verdia, Spirit of Growth, Agent, Gardener, Chosen Realm, the Green Isles. <laughs> I should be reading uh, appendices and other such sections of books. I've been saying I've been saying this. I feel like for a very long time. Yes, and I haven't listened <laughs> for a very long time. Um. So yes, it's also how I knew that he knew, or that's how I was able to piece together how he knew that she was the heir. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's the same thing with Peddler. Right, because he's also an agent, and so, um, yeah, Alex, read the frickin' appendices, <laughs> especially if it's an appendices. Like, I can maybe understand, like, the author's notes or whatever, but, like, appendices usually have some important information in them. <laughs> uh, I tend to skip those because I'm like, I don't need help with the characters or the names or the kingdoms. I got this. It's all good. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Got this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't got this. Um. Yeah. So, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but yes, I did know that he was an agent. <laughs> yes, it's just me. Eleven over here, not reading the appendices. I was gonna. I was gonna be like, how could you have ever known? <laughs> um. That's. Adorable, but also, have you learned your lesson? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. <laughs> not. 
you know, that's okay with me. Because that means that we'll just have another moment like this at some point where you'll be like, did you know this? And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> I mean, at least you find these qualities adorable. Oh, I do. And endearing. Of course I do. Because oh. um, That's so because <laughs> I'm sure I have quirks that I really hope that you find endearing and adorable and not other things. <laughs> That's what made people interesting are their little quirks. You know, if we were all the same, that would just be so boring. C? I don't know why I said C. I, <laughs> I panicked. I said a word and it didn't make any sense. Um. So do you have any more questions? Uh, not questions. I mean, certainly questions. Do you have any more notes about sort of Slagos? No. Okay. I don't. So my next note is about frickin' Matwick. Hey. Uh, I, he better be dead by the end of this series is all I have to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, this book. Or else I'm good. rioting. <laughs> Just by myself. Yep. It's a one person riot. <laughs> Yeah, he gets even crazier in this book, where you're like, oh my god, is he, like, an actual, like, sociopath, or, like, something like that, where he has, like, his emotions aren't normal, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I started noticing in, on page 155, um, Matwick is talking to Marco, and... Um, um, he, um, is sort of talking to his dad about people who are, like, asking people to come to aid. You know, he's like, why haven't you called for King Rickle of, uh, Lortharod, you know, the half-brother of the queen? Like, why haven't you asked for his help? You know, these duchies are having issues um and then he's um sort of um uh, oh and it was probably actually a little bit before this part too that he like you know he found out about the the lord who died in the quote-unquote hunting accident and then he was like that's weird last time I talked to him he was like I can't even ride because my gout's so bad mm-hmm. that seems strange and I immediately was like he's killing them all off <laughs> um <laughs> you saying that to yourself basically um yeah right yeah how did he die Marco whispered to Lady Fania a hunting accident she whispered back um, and then, so I was like, immediately I was like, Matwick is killing off his loose ends and anyone who might oppose him. Of course, that makes sense if you're trying to take over a kingdom. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to tie up your loose ends and, you know, I don't agree with it in this case. But if it was someone I liked, maybe I would agree with it. <laughs> I can admit that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> like, if they weren't doing it to be evil, then... I'd be like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to be smart about consolidating your power. Yeah. Um, but since he's a bad guy. <laughs> then therefore it's unacceptable. Right. Um, I'm big enough to admit that. It's fine. Um, and then he starts talking to his mother, who is 
ailing. And um, this part on page 157 was immediately, I was like, and he's killing his wife too. Because um, he says later when his father joined them, he shared Marco's concern about his mother's condition. He fixed her tonic himself and bid her drink it all down. And immediately I was like, I was like, we all know that Matwick does not like his wife. We, we saw it in the first book. We've seen it in this book. Like, we know he doesn't like her. He does not care enough about her to actually be making her something that will help her and then drinking it down. And I was like, he's killing his wife, which, of course, was confirmed at the tail end of the book. Um, but like. So then I'll jump to these two notes because I have two notes about that point in time, too. So, like, one, she knows that he's killing her. Like, she has no doubt in her mind at the end of this book that Matwick is the reason that she's dying and she's letting it happen, right? Like, yeah, which was. I think it's because she's trying to protect Marco. Like, I think that's. Oh. Um, I think it's part of why she's like, I have to, I want to go to the. Right? Because there's that whole part where she's like, I want to go to the country. He'll come with me. And then immediately once they get there, she's like, actually, I'm going to write this note to your father and tell him that I feel better and that you should be able to travel. Like, so I think this whole part is she realizes that if she puts up a fuss, brings her concerns to anybody, that puts her son in danger. Uh. You know? So I think that's that's what I read into it, at least. That that's why she let it happen. But I was like... In case I didn't think so before, he's just horrifying. Yeah, like he really is. He's like, oh my god, I am ready for him to be dead. <laughs> um, but like, oh my god. And it's driving me crazy that the people who aren't working for him, except for like that midwife lady who he basically tried to kill in front of a whole bunch of people and then had her locked away at the end. Um oh. Like, or healer lady. That no one sees it happening. Yeah. And I'm like, open your freaking eyes, people. (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. Seriously, though. But it's one of those things where, again, as the reader, we are privy to more information. Right, because we get his, like, internal monologue and all of that. Yeah, and so then we get even more frustrated yes. with other characters for not knowing what we know. Then I started thinking things to yourself like, how do I write a letter to a fictional character and tell them what's going on? We're not crazy at all. No. I'm just trying to be helpful, okay, Alex? <laughs> um, so my next note is about... Finch saying goodbye to the Sweet Meadow survivors, but I also wanted to just talk about that whole part of the book. Um, like, when I first was reading their, like, first chapter, um, I was like, what? Actually, I'm still kind of like, what part, specifically it looks like Gunnet, but like, what part do these people play in this big puzzle here? You know, like, I'm trying to figure out where their pieces match like because clearly Gunnett at least has some role to play because Peddler saw him you know coming um but I'm just I'm very intrigued by them like what what is it about these goat herders specifically this relatively young goat herder Mm -hmm. 
what part do they play? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I don't think I really thought about that at all. <laughs> um, I, I assume that you cried during this part. Like, I was just so Hers, heartbroken. So this one was... Like, when you um, have this description of these children having to go through their village and find out who's still living and see all of these bodies. Yeah. All the dogs, all the other kids who were killed. Yeah. So this one, that one, um, so that part was teary, but not quite crying. Number one. Um, and then them saying goodbye to each other was teary, but not quite crying. Number two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I find that in those instances, um, generally what happens is, is the point of view shifts or the chapter ends before I can fully sink into my emotions about it. <laughs> um, but yes, I, yeah, it's just, it's um, horrifying. But I, again, it's I think it's a beautiful choice that Sarah made to um, not just show you the big casualties. You know, like, we're seeing every facet of of this war. And we're seeing Uh every facet of how awful these Oros soldiers are. And, um... You know, because it's so easy to just sort of talk about the big battles and the big losses and mm-hmm. to, like, just throw in a line, like, and they decimated this village or, you know, like, but it, it, I think it's a very interesting and beautiful conscious choice that she made to, um, not just in this particular part, because like, she's certainly done it in other ones, but to, like, really talk about every facet of war and the casualties that come from it. Um, both like physical casualties like debt like number of dead versus also like emotional casualties and Uh um, the lasting effects that it has on people um, after that Uh, so I don't know I I don't know I don't know how to finish that thought so (laughs) I, I think the way to finish that thought is to realize that the title of the next book is A Broken Queen and the little uh, saying across the top is not all scars are visible. Yep. So that's going to be the next book that we read. I know. And I'm pretty terrified that we're just going to get more pain. (laughs) Yeah, more pain. Um, More pain, no gain. (laughs) going to be more even more of those emotional scars yeah and you know we're already seeing so much of the emotional turmoil in the characters from all of their experiences in this war so far that I'm just like a little terrified based on the title of the next book like (laughs) how much more can I handle oh yeah oh yeah I'm already so nervous about the rest of this series like I just I can't Oh my god! Ugh. 
Okay. In a very smooth transition, I would like to talk about Skylark joining the Raiders and that whole thing. And then it also moves into my next notes here. Um, so I loved that her joining them was not, again, it's sort of like with watching Thalen come into his leadership role. I liked that her, um, I liked that her entrance into their group was not immediate and people weren't like immediately like, right. Okay. We trust you. Although they, they did, you know, come to trust her relatively quickly, but it wasn't like she walked in and they were like, Hey, we've been waiting for you. You know, like, yeah. I liked that there was a little bit of, who is this person? Can we actually trust her? And even after most of the other people sort of accepted her into their group, I liked that there was still a little bit of time where Thalen was like, okay, maybe she's not actually a spy. Like, he took longer than the, his people did. Like, I liked that there was um, some depth in there instead of everybody just sort of, like, even just at the same time being like, and we trust you now, you know, like. (laughs) Yeah. I also, um, I don't know if you felt this, but earlier in Slagos, when you learn that Hake and Quinneth are getting together more raiders and they're like, oh, we only have five, but we need six or something. And I was like, aha, this is how she's going to get to the Raiders, because the title is literally the Queen of Raiders. Yes. So obviously she's going to meet up with them. Or um, we can or then, we can hope that that's <laughs> what that me, means. I was just like, it's a done deal. Um, <laughs> and then you find out that she hears about like in the, I think it was in the tavern where she hears about this group of raiders and what's happening and that this um there are some people currently on the island who are helping this yeah. group. And so it's like, okay, so she's going to go and she's that's how she's going to get there. And then that doesn't happen. And you're like, come on. We were so close to having them cross this way. Yeah, well, see, so but the thing is... so much easier. She yeah. wouldn't have been climbing these mountains. Right, but I think... Own. But see, the thing is, is she's in Slagos and aren't Hake and Kenneth in... Pelagos? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. they're they're in two different cities, theoretically maybe even possibly on two different islands. I think it's two different islands. But even so, I was like, <laughs> it's close enough that, like... Yeah, it's true. It's true. They are still close enough that I it, thought, it, it I would be... That yeah, I thought that that was how she was absolutely to the Raiders. Um, and then I was disappointed. Because I was like, come on. Like, it, she would have endured so much less. Less. But then she wouldn't have met any of the Alpatar survivors, you know? So then um, that kind of makes your theory of, like, these people are going to show up further along. Yeah. Um, I mean, in general, I'm a very much everything happens for a reason type of person. But especially in books, like, I feel like there's not ever going to be much in there where they're going to be like, and that's it. You know, like, certainly mm. it, it certainly it happens, but I feel like especially in big, like, fantasy epics like this, when you meet little characters and the author spends time introducing to you to them, giving you their backstory, giving you ties to the main characters, like, I feel like, I feel like generally <laughs> they're gonna 
play a, at least another part. Maybe not a huge part, but they're uh-huh. you're going to see them again at the very yeah. least. Um, so I do want to talk about um, Skylark and Adair. Because I just, I just want to talk about it a little bit. Um, I was pretty disappointed because I wanted Balin and Skylark to be a thing. And so when that didn't happen initially and she gets sidetracked by this other very attractive and charming raider, yeah. I was immediately like, no! <laughs> so see, the thing is, is I had sort of the same feeling, but then I was like, I kind of like that she's, it's not like an immediate, like, and now they're together. You know, like, I liked that there was some stepping stones. Now, the other side of it was, is, I loved how sort of cute it was, and he was, he was, um, Adair was nice to her, and he was kind, and he was, you know, funny, and he sort of helped bring her out of her shell, you know, and he, I think he was, I think he was really, like, the bridge between her and the Raiders. You know, I think he was the, um, or at least part of the bridge or a main part of the bridge that helped her feel a part of the group and, f- like, f- make the group feel like she was a part of them. Okay. Um, but I also knew he wasn't going to make, I knew he wasn't going to live. Like What? How did you know that? I, I was it was devastated. just, oh, I was to clarify, I was also very sad that he died, um, but I, it was just an inkling that I had, mostly because it like it was the little snippets that we were getting from Thalen, where he was like, I think I like her, but I can't do anything because I'm the commander, and also she's with this guy, and I'm like, for now. And then it's like, but it was it was also just like the number of times that you saw his like I I don't know why I don't know why I knew this, but I knew that he wasn't going to make it. Um and it, I think it, it had also sort of something to do with the fact that like um I, I don't know, but it was like something with the, like the tallies that he was keeping, you know, that we saw at the end of each of his chapters. Like I just it was it was clear as as could be to me that Adair wasn't going to make it to the end of the, at least the storyline. I don't think I fully thought it would be this book, um, mm-hmm. but I knew that he was going to be dead by the, by the end game here. Oh. <laughs> um, which does not mean that I was not sad when he died, um, but I didn't, I didn't cry or anything like that. <laughs> Go me. <laughs> Um, um, but one of the things that I really liked about, um, this sort of cute little romance between the two of them was, um, so on page 324, if everyone can turn to their books, no, um, (laughs) I'll turn to my book. You don't have to. Um, he, um, he's making her the shoes, you know, they started kissing a little bit, Um, and then, um, she has, she's riding back from where she was with him to, like, the group, and she's thinking to herself, and she's like, had anyone noticed how long she'd been gone? Did she care if they had? Had they broken some rule? Did she care if they had? And then she asked this question that I thought was so beautiful, because this is, like, her first romance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, and she said, did she want Adair, or was she just flattered that he wanted her? 
Men had shown interest in her before, but no one had been as dashing and tempting as Adair. And I thought, first of all, I was like, how amazing is it that she's in her first, like, romantic feelings for somebody and she's actually taking the time to sit and think with herself like is this what I want do I care like you know and Mm -hmm. is this actual feelings or am I just like oh my god someone's paying attention to me you know um and I just thought that that was awesome to have in there um because I feel like a lot of times in books, and don't get me wrong, I like it just fine when <laughs> two characters meet and are like immediately in love and they're the end game for that couple. I love it. I'm a sucker for romance. I love it. But I loved that um, it was sort of showing the healthy side of figuring out what a relationship means to you you know like Uh, uh and she wasn't trying to figure it out with Adair she wasn't trying to figure it out with a different like she wasn't saying to him like tell me why you like me so I can figure out how I like you she was taking the time by herself to be like how do I feel about this person and how am I going to react to this sort of situation you know Uh um so I just thought that that was really cool. That was just like really cool that she put that in there. <laughs> um, um, so then, yeah, my so my next note after that was, I don't think Adder is going to live. <laughs> oh, so sad. And then my ne- even though even though I wanted Skylark and Phelan to be a thing, yeah. That doesn't mean that I didn't grow to like this little romance. I mean, and... who doesn't love a dashing, charming man? I mean, come uh-huh. on. Um, but then immediately after, I don't think he's going to live. My next note was, <laughs> my next note was, see, I knew he wasn't going to live, but man, that stung. And I wrote leaky eyes number two. <laughs> Um, so it was like, like a tear or two happened, but it wasn't like full crying. Um, my next note after, so my, actually my next notes are about Matt Wick poisoning his wife, which we already talked about. But then my next note after that, (laughs) I find it really funny because it's a note that I want to talk about, but the, the note just says, I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) and then it's sobbing number one um and it's it's the part where they had to slaughter patches and i my gosh i think i think i actually cried during that part because i don't really cry a lot during books i think i cry more during movies than i do books okay um (laughs) not me Yeah, but I think this one, that scene got to me. Oh my god, I was sobbing, like, full snot, sobbing, hiccuping, it was bad. Like, and, but it was interesting because, like, I fully understand why they did it, why they had to do it. Like, I I fully understand the logic behind it, and I think probably, I mean... I can't say for sure, but I think probably if I were in that position, I'd probably come to the same conclusion as well. But that does not make it any easier. 
Yeah. N- nor does it mean that I want to read about it in that much detail. <laughs> like yes, it was extremely detailed. Yeah, I was and like the fact that she had to go with them and be a part of it the way that she did. Yeah, and like and like Ooh. and like not to get super grim here, but like as someone who has had like a horse die in my lap, you know, like it. I was like, oh god. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I was like, I know. Oh, so that just probably brought it all back. Like it was, yeah. I mean, to clarify, it was not anywhere. Like, the, my situation was much more peaceful. I mean, this. It's interesting because she went along. It was much more peaceful than it could have been for the horse. But like, there was not blood everywhere. Like there was, <laughs> like it was a very different <laughs> uh, situation. But it was awful but yeah I, th- I just thought it was really funny that I made it a note because I wanted to talk about it but my note literally just says I don't even want to talk about it um and then my next note though is like the beautiful thing I can't I cannot read it out loud to anybody um because I will start crying again but the beautiful thing she said to Patches as it was happening was just mm-hmm. like we can all hope that we have someone in our lives who will be there for us sort of telling us that thing when our time comes, you know? Um, yeah. So I just thought that was really beautiful, and now we're going to stop talking about it because <laughs> I'm going to start crying again. Um, okay, sounds good. I'm okay with that. My last note is just, <laughs> in all capital letters, what is even happening? <laughs> um, and And mostly I meant, like, the ending, but, like... Um, like, when we knew it was a trap, and they knew it was a trap, and they were still like, let's do it. it. (laughs) I I was like, I'm sorry. Am I the only person (laughs) who's like, no, you let them pass, and then you figure out how to get the freak out of there. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah. I was like, it would have been one thing if we knew it was a trap and they didn't know it was a trap, but like, and of course they didn't know how bad of a trap it was going to be, right? They had no idea about the the wolves, but like, they're like, it's probably a trap. Yeah, it's most definitely a trap. They're like, let's do it. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) What? (laughs) I I was was like, oh my God. Like... I, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, for that, I had a note, but Spellcheck changed it, so... So what does your note say? It says, hustle, comma, that was a superb plan, exclamation point. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not sure... I'm not, I, I just don't know. <laughs> it's really, I, I'm very unclear as to what. Did you write a page number by any chance? No. See, that's no. why I also, that's why I also put my page numbers next to my note in case something like that happens, just for future reference, if you want to yeah. also do it. Yeah, I did have another note that. <laughs> not about hustle? Nope. <laughs> nope. That questioned why that raider 
wanted to kill her. Um, I forget. Per Pershing? Pershing? What was his name? Yeah. Per. Because then we find out. We find out after the raid that he had jewels, so it looked like someone paid him to kill her. Yeah. I just but, I just assumed that he was working for the Oros or Matwick or something like but that. But that doesn't make any sense because no one knows who she is or where she is. Yeah. So then how so, could... So certainly not Matwick, but, you know, Pemphis. Yeah, we have never gotten any indication that anyone has been able to find her or have any inkling of knowing where she is. True. That's what I don't understand is how he this, knew. Yeah. Even though he even though when right before she kills him, he does mention that he doesn't actually know who she is and then you find out that he was just paid to kill her. But Well, I don't know if see the thing is I don't know if he was paid to kill her specifically. Or if he was paid by the Oros, right? Because we know that they're the ones who have all the fancy gems, right? So he mm-hmm. clearly was at least paid by the Oro... Oro-Mondoians. Um, <laughs> um, t- but I think at the very least he was paid to int- inf- infiltrate, uh, infiltrate the raiders. Oh, I didn't even think about that as a thing. And... And I think probably what happened was they've been hearing, you know, all throughout the realms or whatever, they've been hearing what Matwick has been putting out about look for a young woman who has an affinity for animals, you know. So even if he hadn't, like, fully put that together, like, clearly, so even if he didn't know that she's the queen at all, clearly she's a force to be reckoned with, right? Because she can rally wild animals around her. Like, so even if... um. He, he was only paid to infiltrate the raiders and betray them or take them mm-hmm. all down. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's got to take her down, you know, like, or else he's not getting okay. out of it, you know? <clears throat> okay. I could see that. So he doesn't need to know who she is in order to yeah. know that he, mm-hmm. to, to know that he needs to take her out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Yeah. Um. What about what about Nolo? Nolo, is that his name? Nolo, Norlo, Nolo. The one who oh. knew that she was the queen and was trying to yeah. protect her. Yeah. Yeah, that's that one. I. So also couldn't figure out like so he, he was so he was one of the ones right so he was one of the the mercenaries mm-hmm. that so I'm wondering see that's the thing right it's like I'm wondering if he like was maybe he was a shield at some point or was like a loyal guardsman from Weirendale and cause like it would make sense, like, logically, if you're looking from the outside, if you have at least as much information as we have, that, like, there are these raiders who are wreaking havoc in Oromondo. The, I mean, it would it would maybe be a little bit of a stretch, but, like, logically, you could think, okay, so they're responsible for killing Queen Cressa. 
potentially this lost princella slash queen will make her way to them to try to help them. Like, mm. it's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but, like... I would say that's the stretch. <laughs> but, like, also, it's a fantasy book, so, like, sometimes people make jumps that's that, true. you know... Um, so, like, was he, like, a guard who, who was actively looking for her? Or was he a guard who was, like, clearly I'm not doing anything good here. I like what these guys are doing. I'll go join them. And then just happened to come, like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. there's so many questions. And we'll probably not get the answers to it because he's dead. Like... (laughs) (laughs) That yeah. drives me crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully maybe we'll get a little bit more information about him. Um, my last thing that I want to talk about is the ending. Do you have anything that you want to talk about before that? Um, I wanted to also talk about the ending. And then... Oh, I did have a couple of more... Notes. Great. So let's go through. Let's go through yeah. that before we talk about the ending, and we can use that to close that. Then. Yes, because we'll talk about my last note, which is what is even happening. <laughs> <laughs> so remember when I said last week with the first book that I wasn't getting antsy with all of the different plot lines, and that like I was enjoying that. Yes, um, and I brought up it's well, because they're being you know they're in a safe place when we leave them. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, in this book, I definitely had that problem. You were antsy? Like, no, we need to go back to the storyline. We need to know what's happening. <laughs> so, that was fun. Yeah. Um, another note that I had was, what exactly is the relationship between Matwick and Oromondo? And yeah. I'm hoping that that's something that will be better explained mm-hmm. as we continue in the series. But it's been something that's been bothering me from the very beginning. Right. In terms of, like, what is happening, who's sharing what information, for what end. Right. Because you see that they're supposed to be enemies, because of some long ago right. you know, thing that happened. And so I guess I understand the initial, like, helping them get rid of the queen. But then I don't know that I understand the continued alliance, which seems to be there still. Yeah. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if it has something to do with, like, you'll be in power in Weirindale, even if maybe, like, they, you know, Oromondo thinks, like, we'll conquer everything, but then you can be in charge of this part of it. Or, like, you know, um... But also, money. You know, they've got these these precious jewels that they can... That's true. That they apparently just have coming out of their ears, because they're paying everybody in precious jewels. (laughs) Um... You know, so I, I, but I agree. I hope it gets flushed out a little bit more because I'm very intrigued to, to figure out what's going on with that as well. 
Um, I yeah. agree. And so my last note before all of my notes about the ending, because <laughs> I have multiple, Good. like I just wrote multiple sentences. I love it. Uh, with lots of... Exclamation points? Situation, yes. Yeah. Question marks and exclamation points. Yep. Um, so I have this question about how the spirits didn't know that the plague was being caused by water contamination and weren't doing anything about it because they seem to be interfering through their agents in the, the world. So how did they not see that all of these people and animals and things are dying or becoming um, sterile because of this water contamination and not do anything about it because they seem to be like all knowing and like know all of these other things. How could they not know about this and do something about it? Well, that's a good question (laughs) is the short answer. I, um, yeah, maybe it's because stuff like that is sort of a natural occurrence in work in the world, you know, um, you know, people cause issues and contaminations and, and cause you know, that's their whole thing, right? When they're at the end and they're like, do we bring her back? And part of them are like, a few of them are like, yeah, cause they interfered with the natural, natural order of things, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe even though it's technically not natural, right? Cause it's not like the earth is causing this. It is humans that are causing this, but like that's, unfortunately sort of a natural progression of humanity right is that Mm -hmm. they we (laughs) they contaminate the areas that they live in right you know so like so maybe it's just not something that while it's awful and horrible and you know we hope that it'll be something that can be fixed or whatever it's um not on the same scale as like, losing a whole line of magic because these people, you know, like. Well, but, I mean, at least, like, inform your agent. Like, Pozar could have informed (laughs) his agent that this is happening, and then his agent could help his people. Right. I know. It's, I don't, I don't have a, maybe, maybe the future books will let us know. Um, Yeah. That was something that definitely was bothering me. Yeah. But, yeah. So, my biggest thing about the ending, so they get her out of the jail. I was so worried that she was going to stay a captive and that her hair was going to grow out and they were going to know who she was. Right. And I was like, because oh. then, because then they're going to be like, oh, ho, ho, ho. look who we have. Right. And so I was like, I was glad that they got out of there. And then. It was, okay, so (laughs) this is a quick little tangent that I promise we'll circle back to what we're talking about right here. There is an episode in New Girl (laughs) where Schmidt, Nick, and Jess get stuck in a cellar, and (laughs) they are trying to call for help, but they have no service in the cellar. And so (laughs) Schmidt and Jess's phones are dead, and Nick is like, 
my phone's not dead. And he goes, oh, but there's no service. And then he's like, oh, but they have Wi-Fi. And then he's like, oh, but they need a passcode. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm on a real roller coaster of emotions. They keep flying up and smashing down. <laughs> and that's how I felt at the end of this book. Like I was uh. like, my emotions were all over the place. I was like, I... She got captured. They're going to figure out who she is. Oh, my God. They saved her. She's out of there. Oh, my God. They're running for their lives. Oh, my God. Is she dead? What just happened? Like, (laughs) and then I was Uh like, and then I'm like, there are two more fucking books. I was like, (laughs) what just happened? And then you get back to the thing with the, with the, uh, um, agents. And I'm like, maybe she, maybe the, oh, and then I was like, oh, they're going to bring her back. But then by the end, they haven't decided. And I'm like, no, what? <laughs> like, oh, I know. The cliffhanger of this book I was, was so real. I, was, I couldn't handle it. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, I'm sorry. You didn't even come to a decision yet. Um, I know. They really left us hanging. Like, really, really, really. Um, just terrible cliffhanger it was, here. It was so funny because in that escape, when the Magi, like, threw the fire at her, my first thought was, she's the water queen. Like, it's going to hit her and, like, it, she's going to be immune. Like, was my first thought. Because, like, what happens when you put water on fire? Water wins. Right. You know, like, and so I was like, haha. And then when it was, when it was like, Thalen was like, and then she was just gone. And I was like, oh no, my theory was very wrong. (laughs) I was like, I was not accurate at all. Um, and it was horrifying and I hated it. And yeah, my first thought was that like after she was hit with the fireball and she disappeared and they couldn't they didn't see her in the water was that mother and daughter can't go through the same thing like they can't be both fighting for another cause yeah and then perishing from magi fire like yeah it just can't happen you can't do this to me again like, that's so funny one step- by fire yeah while you know fighting not for their country but for like an adjacent cause yeah is enough like I can't handle this again right that's so funny because in my whole thought of like she's the water queen fire doesn't hurt her I apparently completely forgot about her mother who was basically burned alive um so <laughs> mm-hmm. that would have definitely helped you know my theory not be a theory if I would have remembered that little right. tidbit um oh my god I forgot all about that you're absolutely right yeah so did you also have the thought of concern for all of the other raiders once the volcanoes started erupting oh yeah i was very concerned that they weren't going to show up again and that they were all going to die i feel like so i also feel this way about i started to learn um in movies, TV shows, and it's not always the case because sometimes it happens, but uh, in books, if you have a character that they have spent time giving you the name, um, you know, giving you some backstory, having you get to know them, I feel like most often they will not just kill them 
off screen. Now it certainly happens or off the page. Now it certainly oh, happens. Okay. It certainly happens in this book, right? Like when we find about out about Adair dying and whoever the other person was who died with him. I forgot. So 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 many of the raiders died in this book. <laughs> Like, oh. I forgot which one died with him, but like, um, um, uh, the, um, um, I don't think it matters what his name is. I don't, don't need to look for that. I don't either. But it's, it's interesting. So I had that thought of, they're not just going to be like, and then the volcano killed the rest of them. Mm, okay, okay. You're helping alleviate my concerns. You know, because, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely was concerned about that. Um, now, I could certainly be wrong, because it's not an always thing. It's just an often thing. <laughs> um, but who knows? Is the short answer? Because there are two more books and. The title of the next one is A Broken Queen, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's very true. What would break her? More people she cares about dying, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be bad. It's all... I, I am equal parts excited for this next book and dreading this next book. Yeah. Same, same. <laughs> Speaking of this next book, do you think... So I had this thought, and I don't know if if you had anything similar or if I'm just a little weird. Um, well, we already know that that's true. <laughs> but I was thinking based on the ending of this book and how the agents got together and they seemed to, the spirits seemed to want to interfere yeah. a bit more than usual, if the next books in this series are going to include the spirits actually becoming more important and interfering even more in the lives of the humans and like doing even more. And it's going to be not just the humans battling each other, but also like the spirits battling each other. Yeah. Um, I did not have that idea cross my mind, but I like it. And I would definitely be here for some like, right. Dual warring. Um, I'd totally be down for that. Cause I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, I didn't have, I, excuse me. I did not think about that at all, but I'm going to say, I hope so. That would be really right? cool. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was my final thought about the end of the book. I don't know if you had any more besides <sighs> it just being emotionally chaotic. Yeah. I mean, I think like the worst cliffhanger in the history of, well, maybe not the worst, but, like, a really bad one, <laughs> um, for sure. I think the eight um, exclamation points and question marks after what is even happening um, really just sums it up well for me. Like, I'm pretty sure I probably have more thoughts, but I can't coherently put them together. Uh-huh. That's fair. So, Yeah. Um, do you have any last thoughts? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Next week, we will talk about the, the third book. Um, 
Pro- probably if I don't die of emotions before then. Um, and just kidding. If my emotions haven't taken me out yet, then <laughs> we'll probably be fine. Um, true. <laughs> I just have a lot of emotions. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. We're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast at UPM Pod Official. Um, on Instagram, we're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And then uh, certainly feel free to email us uh, your thoughts about the book that we just read, suggestions for new books, really whatever you want. Um, and it's uniquely portable magic podcast at gmail.com. Um, thank you, and we will hope to see you next week. Bye.